0: Hey everybody and welcome to yet another episode of the Lowdown Society podcast. I'm coming to you from the home base in Woodland Hills, California. Today's episode features one of my all-time favorite Nashville bass players. He's one of those guys who I always meant to sit down with and chat way before I started this podcast. I just heard him play off and around town and uh, anything he posted from any of his touring gigs just always slayed me on many levels. Anton's been out with artists like Stacey Orico, BB and Cece Winans, James Otto, Chrisette Michelle, Take Six, and uh, most recently at a big CMT Crossroads special with Boys to Men. Anton's Twitter description says that he's a simple, inquisitive guy who loves his wife, music, a good book, and a nice groove. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Anton Nesbitt welcome everybody we're here with anton nesbitt at the lowdown society we are in a hotel lobby in nashville tennessee when i thought having some nashville more nashville cats on the podcast the first two i thought of that i really wanted to talk to was (coughs) was you and steve mackey
1: oh man that's my man
0: yeah and steve's been on here already oh really you're in good company oh
1: man i'm honored to uh be in that company, man. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> uh, both of you guys. I
0: want to. I want to tell everybody that it's Friday night, and Anton's still making time for for us. So oh, we appreciate yeah, it, man. Yeah, Thanks. Man. Uh, we'll start with the usual stuff. I think. How did you end up a bass player as a kid? Uh.
1: That's a that's an interesting question. I just remember growing up, uh, and hee haw used to come on. <laughs> And my uncle had a bass. He moved away. I was living with my grandparents. And he moved away, but he, the bass was still at the house. So I just remember every time Hee Haw would come on, I would run and get this bass behind the couch and just watch Hee Haw <laughs> and play along. <laughs> but then after a while, it, it I stopped doing it. Uh, just forgot about the bass. and um, One day... A friend of mine, a friend of my brother's, because my brother was a keyboard player. Yeah. He came with his guitar and his bass. And I just remember looking at the I just remember looking at the bass. And I said, Man, I wanna play this. You know, yeah. just out just out of nowhere. I was like, I wanna play it. He's like, Oh, you can just you can take it home. How old were you at the time? 13, thirteen, fourteen. All right before that, I was I started with trumpet, mm-hmm. but I, I I wasn't really interested in it, and uh, so he let me bring it home, and every day I would just come home from school and just try to play him. Because my brother was a keyboard player, he would teach me songs uh, from the keyboard on the bass, so that's how I learned the notes and. <laughs>
0: that's pretty,
1: developed that's, my ear. Yeah, he, he's like, and then he'd be like, "What, what, what? Uh, what's the root of this chord?" You know, was like,
0: oh yeah. So you had a, you had not just like a, a bass teacher, but an overall. You learned about music in general yeah. at the same time yeah, as you yeah, picked up yeah, bass. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I was learning the music. He was teaching me the music, music note by note. And then he would test me with. He would play a chord and be like, "Okay, what what bass note is that?" Hmm so it was early ear training oh, Awesome, amazing <laughs> and he would make me go to church yeah and at that time I'm from South Carolina so it's something called like testimony service in the old church where you don't know what key they're they gonna be in or what song they're gonna play so it's your job to pick up pick it up so he made me go and uh that first year man i was struggling but he kept he made me go and eventually that that was a way to develop my ear so
0: well we had that before (laughs) i turned the recording on here we we were talking about the benefits of being the worst guy on stage or struggling to keep up right (laughs) yeah yeah so you got you got that luxury early at your first church gig yeah, yeah. yeah 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 did the people in church tell you to go listen to other gospel-based players primarily when you started or were you like, did you dip into the secular sort of, who were your uh, first heroes? I was,
1: I was old because of the records and my uncle had old records because, again, I was in my grandparents. There was always like the, the Gamble and Huff, uh, that old, you know, Marvin Gaye and, you know, stuff like that around the house. And, We were, my family were big uh, Hawkins family uh, fans. So it was always that or Andre Crouch. So I, you know, I didn't realize who I was listening to, but I just remember always listening to, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So as far as, as far as the, uh, the other, like, uh, the other non-gospel bass players who who was who was your first sort of like big idol or or big big influence my fir- my first the first guy or even I, musically if it wasn't a bass player
1: yeah the my the first guy that caught my attention on bass was probably like freddie washington oh yeah well, you know a good way to start Uh larry kimpel you know that kind of that whole crowd uh this guy named Joe Smith. Oh yeah, from, yeah, from Oakland. Yeah, and guy from L.A., Freddie Boom Boom flew mm-hmm. Um You know, people like that. You yeah, know, just
0: <laughs> and those are those are good names, I think, for people listening because they're not they're every bit as cold as some of the people that have bigger names. Yeah, in the yeah, industry. yeah, exactly. But they're yeah. not. The obvious first, yeah, answer, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Because I didn't, I not did, I heard, I didn't hear anything. I knew about uh, Marcus from Luther, so to speak. Not really, kind of, but I really didn't know him as a solo bassist. Mm-hmm. So what everything I was listening to was pocket, like
0: side man. Mm-hmm. Yep, you know. <laughs> well. That worked out for you, didn't it? <laughs> so, <clears throat> that was early teens. When you, uh, so when you got up to like high school age, where you, were, was music it for you? Was it your only hobby, only focus yeah, at that yeah, point?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my focus. But interesting, it's interesting that I did, I stopped playing in church at that time. I could play, but I never played in church anymore. I would, sing on the choir, maybe. <laughs> it's an interesting journey. But at home, I was getting into, like, uh, sequencing
0: mm-hmm.
1: and sampling. Mm-hmm. And so I was more focused on making tracks for the neighborhood uh, rappers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. in my teens, that's what my focus was until my brother started and a a friend started a a community choir Mm -hmm. and he was like I want you to play bass on it. So really I kind of gravitated towards production more than playing at first which now it's a 360 because I'm finding myself trying to get back to what I'm remembering how I started Mm -hmm. and I'm finding myself enjoying uh, creating more than uh, the playing side now. Mm. It's
0: like it just like just yeah. came
1: full circle, you know? Yeah, I I think
0: <laughs> for me at least, what parts of music I enjoy is a uh, sort of a circle. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. said, or it goes in waves. Maybe yeah, it's yeah, more, yeah. You know, sometimes the touring thing is just like, yeah, I just wanna I just wanna be up with a slamming band, exactly, and that's what exactly, I'm craving exactly. right now. And yeah, then other times it's like oh, you play on a session where yeah, there's a time yeah, yeah, crunch, and yeah, you play yeah. a safe yeah, part. Yeah. And you go, if I would have sat with this producer, yeah. not on the clock, we could have crafted something yeah, dope, yeah, but we exactly. didn't. Yeah. And then you yeah, get that, yeah. Yeah, 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 the feeling of it, it, you go yeah. back and forth. And yeah, think. yeah. <laughs> so, South Carolina, there's there's certainly a great deal of. I mean, the Carolinas, you know, like the rest of the South, there's a great deal of amazing musicians and music around. But what what brought on Nashville for you over the other music cities? Was it the proximity to South Carolina or?
1: Well, originally in 98, I went to New York for a while. Mm-hmm. And the deal with the artists I was playing for kind of went, uh, fell through. So I ended back in South Carolina, which for many years I regretted. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's part of the journey. So you Absolutely. know, I ended up back in South Carolina, and um, that's when I started playing in church. Cause I'm like, man, hell, ain't nothing, there's nothing here. I need to make some money, yeah. So I could play. So let me start playing, in, you know, yeah. Sunday morning. So for a long time, that that's what I was doing. And then I found a friend of mine uh, that. I found out that he was into recording and writing. And so I would play in church and during the week we would get together and just record, you know. Um, that went on for a couple of years until I met this guy named Tyrone Dickerson who did the early uh, Yolanda Adams Ooh, stuff. Yeah. Um, he did the Kurt Willem uh the first two according to Jazz, Gospel According to Jazz, mm-hmm. co producer with Kurt Wheeler. So he came to South Carolina to do a recording and they tapped me as the bass player for that. And I met him and he he's in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So that's that 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 started the journey of like every now and then I would come to Nashville and to do stuff for him and go back and I'm just like, man, I kinda like this city. Mm-hmm. So that's eventually, I decided just to pack my stuff and come to
0: Nashville. So you you were taking a chance, but you had one sort of bigger client. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was, you knew it, he would give other people your name. if, yeah. if you were at least honest. I was yeah, at yeah. least I was helping you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I was I was confident that he was gonna look out. Uh, so that yeah that.
0: What was the next step after that when you were in the city? Did you start hit up uh, local jams, or how did you – what was the networking game for you back then? Uh, That was 15 years ago.
1: Yeah. It was a little simpler than it is now Mm -hmm. because it's so crowded now. It's totally Mm -hmm. different. There was only a – in the circle I was in, there was only a handful of guys – that was in my circle, so it was it was kind of easy to to do the because I came here and did the church church thing again, and it's it, that circle was kind of easy to, to navigate. Um, and then Tyrone was doing sessions with Tommy Sims, mm-hmm. and uh, which is one of my yeah favorite bass.
0: And uh, I'll fill in for the listeners. <laughs> I being from Sweden and you know from since childhood a huge Springsteen fan I found out about Tommy because Tommy was playing bass yeah. for Springsteen mm. on the Human Touch World Tour in 1992 right right so that's how I found out about Tommy and he was a young gum back then yeah, yeah. but, <laughs> but uh, he's one of many bass players just for people who haven't heard his name mm. who did super well as a sideman early on in his career yeah. and became just a uh, uh one of the biggest producers and songwriters yeah. change the world change the world writer, That yeah. song alone
1: yeah Yep. so he would do those sessions and other sessions and i would drive because taron did drive so i would drive him to the set i'd be like i'll drive you and uh, <laughs> so i would just make it my point to drive him to every session yeah. so i get to meet Saudan needham and uh so Mike Rapole on a session and Danny duncan engineer yeah' Cause one one session uh Danny Witherspoon, which I ended up we became became close friends and and I worked on his last his last record, you know and um it was one session where Tommy walked out and Danny needed to check his bass and I was like, I'll do it <laughs> it's like <laughs> so you know I was just trying to Get in every session and trying to meet as many people as I could.
0: You have quite a bit of uh, impressive touring credits as well. What was your first sort of big, big bigger touring gig that you, you got?
1: Here or in general?
0: Yeah, no, in general. Uh,
1: Taja Seville was my first and she was signed to Sony 550 Mm -hmm. Uh, late 90s Mm -hmm. and uh, that was my first kind of introduction to this crazy but of course music was totally different back then yeah you know so it was like a lot of they were spending money back then so it was like wow yeah yeah yeah
0: (laughs) But you did some bigger uh people in the contemporary Christian like Stacey Oracle, right? St-
1: Stacey Stacy yeah. and
0: uh Nicole mother That stint in the Christian
1: world was uh wasn't was it was kinda short, you yeah. know. Yeah. But those are the two main um Anthony Skinner. Mm-hmm. Those were the two uh those were three the three uh guys I've uh I play with as far as artists
0: I had heard your name and maybe met you once but the first time I feel like I really heard you play was with one of my best friends in music and outside of music Myron Howell oh wow with,
1: was it Phil last time was it was Phil was I don't
0: know if it was Phil Phil's also a good friend he lives in LA yeah, now. yeah. Uh, you guys were playing over here uh, on, right we're talking Mamacita in Nashville is the Edge Hill neighborhood there was some oh you remember that oh yeah 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 There cool. was
1: a Phil, Phil I, sir, I, we were doing that thing every was it Monday or Tuesday night yeah so? I only saw with, it with Darnell Levine yeah and Phil played that night and Myron played
0: yeah. was that the first time we met it feels like this is a lot of years ago that that was, I've known but, Myron since 06 so wow really yeah, I hired wow. him on his first gig here in oh, wow. Nashville, so, yeah. Wow. But, yeah, that's when I understood how serious you were, man. I was oh, like, man. all right.
1: I remember the first time I heard you play Oh, man! at the tribute uh, thing at Mercy Lounge. With a, was it, uh, what's the keyboard player's name? Um,
0: Mason. Um, oh, it was a Prince tribute. Yeah. That's actually one of my favorite nights i've ever played music that you were you were killing i was like man man." who's this white guy (laughs) (laughs) and i'll I'll tell you why it was one of my favorite because i I put it together with my best friend anthony Rankin, who you just did yeah uh, yeah uh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. and um we had talked for three years at that point (laughs) about playing music off a few of the records that other people don't really Mm -hmm. know about prince and we rehearsed, me, him, and the drummer rehearsed for almost two months for wow. that night. Who like was the t- drummer then? Myron. Myron. Was Myron playing that day? <laughs> yeah. so get out of here. me and Myron and Anthony would rehearse in my basement, which was like infested with spiders, all kinds of dirt <laughs> yeah. at the time. But so, because you know, again, because of money, even with some major label <laughs> artists, you don't get enough rehearsal time yeah, to make it magical. Yeah, you really don't get But we, <laughs> we, for that little tribute, we... We couldn't get the horns and the background singers and everything for all those rehearsals, but, but the three of us, we 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 went at it. Oh man, you know? it was killer. Oh too, thanks, man. man. I'll
1: never forget that, man.
0: Thanks. So that's how I first heard you was, I guess, with Phil Lasser. Yeah, man. yeah. He was a guest that
1: night, we were. I think we were doing like a residency, at like every week or something like that, and he came in as a guest artist. Yeah, and Myron played that night.
0: Yeah, so for everyone listening, uh, especially bass players, uh, Phil Lasseter is a trumpet player who was the uh, musical director for Prince's Horns the last three, four years before he passed. And Phil also plays keys and sings lead Mm -hmm. uh, and has his own band called Filthy Filthy in L.A. Filthy is P.H. And when he plays in Nashville, I think he probably uses you. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's, yeah, I would say
1: I'm, I was in his first band. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's, but all check that, y'all check that out because it's it's fun funk music. In the last few years, you're with Leanne Rhymes right now.
1: Yeah, I've been doing that for about a year. Yeah, and uh, I just I just ended a, 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 a like five years with Cece Winans.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I saw some videos from, and, and again, I keep throwing out tips to the listeners, but there's quite a lot of live stuff on YouTube, uh, professionally recorded, like European Jazz Festival, mm-hmm. stuff like that, where you're on that gig, and, and it's, it's amazing stuff. Thank you, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. So, uh, tell us a little bit more about that gig, because that seems, to me, the little I know you're playing...
1: Which, uh, the, it was the, the BB B- or the CC? Because I, yeah, for, for a minute I was doing BB first, yeah, for a while, and then I was st- the, BB and CC, I was yeah. doing that for a while, and then I started doing the CC,
0: yeah. The, C- the CC is what I've been watching the most on yeah, YouTube, yeah. and it really struck me when I watched you on that gig, like it really seemed like you got to do you on it, like yeah, there yeah. was really room for yeah, you, was a to lot of,
1: yeah, was a lot of
0: room, too. So, yeah, so, of, uh, yeah what was what was that like as a I, I think a lot of listeners that are 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 interested in maybe the different types of bosses that we have as yeah. sidemen you know as far as musically yeah, yeah. what kind of vibe were they ever was there a lot of direction there uh it was
1: i don't I don't know if anybody i'm sure a lot of listeners know a producer named Mano Haynes mm-hmm. who did israel Christmas mm-hmm. Well he was there for so many years and he kinda set the stage for her music to be really aggressive. Mm-hmm. And after he left, he left uh this guy, Ernest uh Tobert, to to uh to lead the band, which is which he's an extension of Mano. So from him being from Detroit, the drummer was from Detroit. Man, they were bringing that street stuff to the, to the to the show, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they was bringing Detroit, so it it was still pocket, but they were bringing a, a, an aggression to the to, unlike, you know, what we were doing uh uh in Nashville wasn't the it wasn't the typical Nashville yeah. kind of like, you know. You know how we do, yeah. you know. We we were aggressive, but it's still, you know, this was kind of like a street fight. You know what I mean? Oh, so man, I guess yeah. it's like, <laughs> you don't get that in Nashville. You yeah, get, yeah. You get yeah. some of the world's best yeah. music in Nashville, <laughs> yeah. but you know what you don't yeah, get? Yeah. Street, you don't fight get street fight players. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was real aggressive. It was pretty aggressive. So That was a cool, it was cool that we kept the integrity of the, integrity of the song, but it allowed you to really dig in and, you know. And she was cool with it, you know.
0: So, it must have been a BB video I watched where you're playing a song called I Want to Be the Only One? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. At the 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 Jazz Fest. Yeah. Uh, what's the name of the Jazz Fest? Uh,
0: in Switzerland. Uh, uh, oh, Montreux. Yeah, Montreux. That's and it, uh, yeah. that song I first heard back in Sweden in the early 90s was a big, because they placed that song with a... Girl trio from the UK, R&B trio. Really? Like, politically correct version of TLC, you know? <laughs> really? Like, you know? <laughs> called Eternal. Wow. And the Eternal version, just like, I was obsessed with that song, so wow. I didn't even know that he was a writer or anything. But then years later, I, yeah. I heard it with him.
1: Let me tell you a crazy story about that night, yeah. man. Yeah. You know who introduced us that night?
0: Scared to ask
1: <laughs> Quincy
0: Jones. All right. No pressure, <laughs>
1: and he sat on the side of the stage the the entire performance. So it's, I was like, yeah, uh, like no, like right, no pressure. You were
0: <laughs> killing it. That video, you're killing it, man. So. And
1: and we had just we he, he, we went backstage, and he's sitting there. And we like we looking at each other like, and we running to get our phones. It's, it's <laughs> like we were starstruck, man. Yeah,
0: <laughs> he is. how uh, I mean, what is he now, 87 or he something? something? He's like getting that. up yeah, there. A- and uh, there's these jam sessions in L.A. There was one here in Nashville, uh, a phone app for a musician called Jam Card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the Jam yeah. Card, the mm-hmm. Jam Jams in, in L.A., there's been a few smaller private ones. And yeah. Quinns will roll in and sit on yeah, the couch all got, night yeah. and hear young cats just go for it. Yeah.
1: I think he started investing in
0: this. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout out to to Elmo Vavano yeah, who yeah. started it. Way to make use of a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> He's a th-
1: smart That was a smart move, man. Yeah, yeah.
0: I wish so, I thought of it. <laughs> so on uh, on that note, that video, you were playing a MTD? Is yes. it a Saratoga? Or was it it's like the, a normal uh, MTD? It's the 535. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So what are your weapons of choice nowadays? I talk gear,
1: <laughs> people lately, warning. Lately, it's been a... Uh, Going back to the bass is a Fender,
0: mm-hmm. like jazz four or yeah, jazz,
1: jazz the jazz four. Yeah, I've maybe. been playing a lot of four lately. Yeah, yeah, just kind of going back. Yeah, and it's it's kind of cool because it's it's um, I'm starting to get into my bass again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not cheating, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I'm going back
1: to the, back to the basics.
0: Or, or are you maple or rosewood guy on the on the Fender Jazzes?
1: I tend to to go with maple. I don't I don't know. I don't try to. I just kind of tend. Yeah, just kind of yeah. happens. But I love the sound of rosewood. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And as far as fives, what's uh? Is the MTD or main sort of five still or
1: empty? I have an MTD and a a Brewbaker jazz that I got Kevin Brewbaker made. um, that that's pretty cool, and I keep looking at uh, I keep looking at that performance base, man.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you played one? I haven't played one, but man, they look interesting, man. They sound good too. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go through all of it. Let's do the rig rundown while we're sitting here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, amp you're an Aguilar guy. Aguilar, that's I just I, I
1: just got I, I just got with them. Uh, about two months ago.
0: Oh cool, I yeah. I love this stuff, man. It's, yeah. it's
1: pretty cool. Before that I was uh with this other company, but uh,
0: Yeah, I, I love this stuff. hmm And uh nice guys too. Yeah. On the recording side of things, mm-hmm. what's your what's your normal what's your normal preamp DI compressor situation? I used to
1: carry a, a uh ten seventy three, mm-hmm. five hundred and mm-hmm. a um retro. Mm-hmm to the sessions. Mm-hmm. And uh pedal board with a clean out and uh um you just try to send two signals, you know, clean clean uh that goes straight to the pre and then one with effect that goes to mm-hmm. another pre.
0: So your your not clean signal off your pedal board, what's what's normally in there? Uh, some filters,
1: octave pedals, um, screamers, fuzz stuff. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Are you an Aguilar guy with those pedals too, mostly, or? Um,
1: yeah. With the distortion, I I, I use that, and I'm also with G GHS. Mm-hmm. I like that little that little mini fuzz. Mm-hmm. Pretty, it's pretty cool.
0: How about your uh, your envelope, your octave? What are those? Those are those
1: two are MXR. Same here. Yeah, uh, there's something about. It. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> something about. It. And I, I gotta uh, also use that JHS uh, color box mm-hmm. that I used on. Um, I fell in love with it because I used it on um, Austin city limits. Yeah. And man, it made that P bass kind of. It it's it it didn't make it sound active. It just kind of. Gave it some... Gave it a bump? Yeah, give it a little bump, man. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, on the key bass side of things, because I saw some videos from that uh, the Janet mm-hmm. tribute, man. Yeah. There's some killing key stuff oh, in there. And man. Anthony came back. You know, he's my production partner. Uh, yeah, he came yeah. back after the first rehearsal, and he's like, yeah, Anton, that was disgusting, especially <laughs> the key stuff. It's yeah. like, I know. you have to tell yeah, me. Wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't get to play as much as I want to. Yeah. I, want to. I wish I what's could your, What's What's
0: your little key rig consist of?
1: I have a Novation Bass Station. Mm-hmm. I have a, a Little Fatty. Mm-hmm. Uh, JP 8000. Mm-hmm. And I have an old Juno 2.
0: Oh, dude. You, you have what it takes. And I, mean, I still want more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course, man. It's gear. Of course you want more. If you were like, no, I'm sad, I'm not really looking at anything. I'd be like, get off my podcast, son.
1: <laughs> Did you know too? It took me a while to find a uh, good one. That's a classic, man.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's just so much warmth in the in the Roland. Yeah, yeah, sounds. yeah,
1: yeah. That especially that old old board, man. Yeah. Have Have, have you ever tried out the SE one X? I have not. That's what I want to. All right. The rag
0: model of a a, a, a Mook. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just I, I I've been having my eye on a on a Voyager man, but that's a oh, lot wow. of money. Yeah. A lot of, lot of money. There's a white one, and it just looks Ooh. it just looks so '80s Morris Day in the Time-ish man. to me. I want the white one. They sound so good. Yeah. Too. yeah. I can't. I want to get one too, but they cost forty five hundred bucks. Yeah. 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 So you're doing the Liam thing, which probably she's at the level where she's probably doing what 50 a year, 40-50 shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll stay in Gearland on that then. Mm-hmm. What uh, what's your setup on on her on her gig?
1: Usually I use I use uh Marcus Miller mm-hmm. for string. Uh on the Christmas tour I use that in a P bass kind of Went back and forth.
0: I saw a morning show you played, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. one yeah. of those. What did I play on that? P bass P bass yeah. Yeah. What uh what year is that P Bass?
1: Actually it's a reissue, man. Love it. I I A and B'd it towards the old one and it won. It
0: yeah it It held up. I was like, man. You're talking to a guy who has a $249 Indonesian squire from 2015 as one of my absolute main recording bases. Wow. Yeah. I A-beat it at Corner Music in Nashville to American Standard Precision, Mexican Precision, Uh, And Fender Custom Shop Precision. I tried about 10 Precisions that day. Wow. All the way up to almost $4,000. And that $249 once had the most meat up on the high strings, most evenness. Felt like crap. Frets were sticking out. Felt like a toy. Yeah, yeah. But the sound was... That's
1: all that matters, man.
0: Yep. So, yeah, I bring that. And every producer's like, well, here's your P-Base, 2015 yeah. Indonesia right, bro. right That's what uh that's
1: what Tommy asked me when he first heard it. He's like, "Man, what year is that?" I was like, "Man, that's, I don't know, it's a real shit." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mexican rage yeah. just like I just threw some flat on it, you know. Yeah,
0: well, that'll that'll do miracles. Yeah.
1: They've been on that for like 10 years almost. Yeah. <laughs> I have
0: a I have a Warwick starbase, the uh oh, yeah. the hollow oh, yeah, body yeah, yeah. big I think uh, Anthony Joyner had ordered it. Oh, yeah. It's bright baby blue. And I saw it on the wall at the Warwick showroom here yeah, in Nashville. Yeah. They're artist relations for like six months. And finally, I'm like, Anton's not going to pick this bass up. You <laughs> give me. And they did. <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow. Anthony Joyner. I haven't yeah. heard that name. Oh, anything.
0: yeah. Anthony. He's not going to pick it up. And then, you know. That bass came with... I always switch strings when I buy bass. It's the first day. It's so the moral of the story. Me too, but yeah. That's that same bass, way. <laughs> I just kept the strings on there. I've had it for three years now and haven't changed strings. That's, that's how you know it's good. Yeah. Because I did
1: the same thing. I'm like.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, cheap basses. I get on that train often, man. I did a gig in L.A. last week with... Um, a big actor who does music as like a hobby mm-hmm. and it's a good band lady gaga's drummer it yeah, was, yeah you yeah. know good good band and i and it was an upright gig they you know they didn't tell me that they called and hired me i was like oh cool yeah nice gig you know good band good money blah blah, blah. easy one night nice hotel room all the good <laughs> stuff right second day after i say yes to the gig and i get on all the group emails the md's like you play upright right i'm like well i played it on tv a few times so if you need me to play upright, give me, I'm always like, I'll do it, but give me a few weeks to figure yeah, out. No, yeah. And he's like, okay, so you don't really play upright. And I'm like, no, I don't really play upright. <laughs> but I said, don't be nervous. I'm going to bring some old hollow bodies, yeah, do yeah. the thumb muting thing. Yeah, and, yeah. and everyone, everyone, I think everyone would be cool. So he called the actor, the, the dude. Dude was cool with the visual, not yeah, having yeah. an upright on stage. Yeah, yeah. And I roll in with my $199 Epiphone viola. Like Paul McCartney. yeah, yeah. It's a Hofner knockoff and uh every 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 head just turned. Flatwounds. Every head just turned. My head turned because I'd never played the bass. A buddy gave it to me oh, wow. two years ago and I just put it in oh, the wow. closet. Wow. Never played it. I plugged it in on it on mm. a in a rehearsal in Hollywood and it, it just blew my head off. Wow. And it's a hundred ninety nine dollar bass.
1: But your fingers are amazing though. Oh, thanks, man. But you, you, you got a lot of tone in those fingers. Thanks, man. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, it's, you know how it is. So there's an evenness thing where you're, you know, my thing is when you go up on the high strings, man, and you're not playing a fill, you're still playing in line. Yeah, yeah. And if the bottom drops or if you know, not speaking, the whole band's going to go like where the bass player goes. Yeah, exactly. So whenever I find a bass that just, Supports you in all registers. Yeah, right. And they happen in different price ranges because I definitely played a few $5,000 bases that had dead spots. Oh, yeah. They felt like they're making love your hands. Yeah, I yeah. mean, smooth. Yeah, yeah. You felt every hour, you felt every dollar you just paid you're for right, the bass. Right. But then there are just notes that don't yeah, speak. Yeah, you're right. And I don't think there's a, 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 a money figure yeah, yeah. that decides that. Yeah. And uh, people can hate in the agree. comments if they want. I but, agree. Yeah. I agree.
1: I totally agree. I, my one of my mentors, called, uh, Tracy Pierce, who used to play for the Ohio, Ohio Players and a, a lot of other people, uh, it's an amazing bass player. It's almost like he he goes after the worst bases to see if he can make them sound great, and he yeah. makes every bass sounds great. Yeah, and that and that's kind of that's. That's why I got got off the whole like oh I want this bass because mm-hmm. of the name because I watched him make regular basses sound mm-hmm. like thousand dollar basses yeah all because of his tone his feel his, yeah. you know
0: yeah I found I found a funny meme today actually yesterday on the on the internet about bass player and, and and he's riding a bicycle and then he's shoving a pin into his own wheel so it falls over <laughs> and next to that little image it says don't practice enough and then he gets up again from falling at the bottom and it says must buy new basses. <laughs> so it's like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, get, oh, to like to get, I'm not feeling my yeah, own feel. I'm not, not feeling my own tone. <laughs> Yeah, there must be a better bass. I'm like, no, bro. There's practice. I've been that guy. I'm not. I'm not throwing stones in a glass house oh, here. I've girl. been that guy yeah, where yeah. I don't practice enough, and then I want to. Well, maybe if I buy a new bass, it sound different, it'll inspire me, and I'll yeah, play more inspire, bass. Yeah.
1: It's probably about a week or two. Then yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think running, running to new instruments to get your fingers to do things is. is it's like running after a new woman, I yeah, think yeah. It, like you said, it's a yeah, two yeah. week thing, yeah, and, yeah, and you know, yeah, it is. Uh, certainly, I mean, I have guitar player friends and bass player friends that you know, you get a pedal or two, and a pedal will make you write a different type right, of right, you know, right. you throw on a good envelope, of course, culture. yeah, You're of gonna, course, uh, you inspire, you know, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah. but I think with instruments, man, I think it's you know, I think some acoustic guitars has songs in them, yeah, as songwriters yeah, yeah. would yeah, say, yeah, 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 but I, I think you know. If, if the funk's in your soul, you're going to make it happen on a 100-hour yeah. on base. Yeah. You know?
1: I totally agree with that.
0: <laughs> What's on your sort of bucket list musically right now? Like, what are, what are some of the boxes you want to cross?
1: uh right now i think i want to i want i want to uh share my voice and when i say that i want to put out my own stuff mm-hmm. um not any not solo instrumental songs mm-hmm. um kind of going back to where i started in south carolina like doing tracks for rappers. <laughs> you know, but this won't be for yeah. you know of course it won't be rappers but just going back to, it's like going back to the original me. What I, because I, like I said, I could play, but I was more in love with creating. Mm-hmm. And because I got into, I got to a point where I needed money. I started playing more, mm-hmm. and in that effort, I almost forgot about the original me. Mm-hmm. So now I think that's that's my focus now, like to get back to what i really really love mm-hmm. is creating you know creating music and just sharing my voice you know just have just having a voice in the convers, just having a having a uh, voice in the conversation you know mm-hmm. not just not just uh holding up other people's conversation yeah well that, <laughs> you know <laughs> that's a good
0: way of putting it and uh yeah i i neglected the same thing for yeah, too long because yeah. i I've been so happy because, as I'm sure you have felt, a lot of people that hire you to make them art and to make them money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a fan of their music. So you're not out there on stage going, oh, I wish I was making my music. You're just out there going, oh, I get to play with somebody who's recognized and appreciated and who can afford to hire good players. Exactly, yeah. And you can easily get almost stagnant in that happiness. Exactly. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. You know? Exactly. That's totally true
1: and you and you feel and you feel privileged and honored that they would ask you to and they trust you enough to play their music and they they trust that you would you know keep the integrity of their music yeah and that's challenging in itself that's an art in itself you know to uh to make sure you respect the, the artist's music yeah you know
0: Speaking of respecting the artist's music, we're hopping all over here, but that's the way it goes normally. Speaking of that, when you first get in on a gig, like say the Le Le Ann Rimes gig, yeah. to take how much of your own flavor do you feel comfortable adding right away? Do you do you do the thing where you really play the record, or yeah, yeah. I
1: really play the record until um until I get to know the band leader and, and get to know the artists and until they allow me to. And I could, you know, sometimes I don't have to talk about it. You just get to know people. You mm-hmm. start knowing their personality. Then you know, you kind of got an idea how mm-hmm. far you can go <laughs> without being too much. And then trying to um, do my research about past members and I kind of like study, like okay, what did the past band members do? Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to embellish that and try to make it my own, you know.
0: As far as your own voice, just to get more into uh-huh. into the future. If you get a whole album out under your own name, uh-huh. what direction would that sort of?
1: It would definitely be. It would definitely be R and B. Definitely be R and B. Um, with some with soul kind of that kind of vein with uh, with uh, a hint of what's what's current trying to trying to trying to trying to merge the two like musical and current Mm -hmm. which is I found that's very I that's difficult to do because we being musical a lot of times we (laughs) tend to go too far yeah and then we a lot a lot of times we're too far to think commercially, you know. So yeah. just trying to trying to fuse those two, but it definitely would be songs of soulful and R and B songs about life and what people deal. I oh, like do you, stuff Are like you are, that. are you a singer too? Not really. So I would definitely have guest art. <laughs> but you you'd write full on songs yeah, yeah, lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, So it wouldn't uh, be a bass uh, record. No, no. I no. should ask that from no, the no, beginning. No, no, That's what I was trying to find wouldn't be out. A bass record. Because, like we talked about even before we started recording, how how much we loved listening to Sidemen and we gravitated towards them, you know, and how they made the song so special, you know, like uh, Bernard Edwards. Yeah. You know, like. So, I mean, if you take away the bass lines to those those songs, those songs are totally
0: different. Yeah. I, I always talk about, what got me into bass is really interesting because it's not bass guitar, it's key bass. Yeah, yeah. I grew up, when I was 11 or 12, this is the mid-80s, uh, the pop songs on the radio at the time were completely, they were using all the keyboards that are now back in style. Yeah, yeah. You know? And mm. the bass parts were always a hook. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, not always, yeah, but yeah, almost always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And They're sometimes yeah. sometimes, insanely simple, like yeah, most yeah. hooks. Yeah, yeah. But it was somebody wrote a bass part. Yes, yeah, somebody
1: wrote a bass part, yeah.
0: That works underneath the melody yeah. as a counterpoint, yeah. you know, and... I mean, the musical world is filled with great counterpoint between vocal and low-end movement. Yeah, yeah. It could be whether it's Sly Stone or ABBA. Right, right. You can hear beautiful vocal melodies mixed in with a bass line that goes yeah, the other yeah, way. Yeah, and yeah, You can sing the bass line if you're tired of the vocal. Yeah, yeah. And I was always into singable bass lines. Me too, yeah. yeah you know? Yeah.
1: You don't hear that much like that anymore.
0: Yeah, I I, have a, I have a friend in, in a big rock band, and I talked. I mentioned him before the podcast, mm-hmm. so you know probably who i 'm talking yeah. about. Um, but i won 't mention him on here because this is incriminating stuff. <laughs> uh, he played on some super super big, huge classic records where the bass lines are singable, and I would say fifty percent of the song. you know what i 'm yeah, saying yeah, like yeah. they are yeah hook, big hooks known worldwide, and nowadays when that same band makes records, he is they the producer and the lead singer will make demos with very basic sort of eighth note, yeah, yeah, YouTube yeah, yeah, Adam Clayton yeah, yeah, style yeah, yeah. bass, yeah, yeah. and they tell him if you start playing those melodies, it'll sound dated in eighties. Oh wow! And those melodies,
1: but they last a test of time, man.
0: You know what I'm saying? So yeah. when you when you he he was told it might sound dated yeah. if he brings that back. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And and I I feel that that's. A, a thing I, and you know as bass players even disco man yeah you can Yeah, the, the bass line is, is I feel it's it's a shame nowadays that that it's not a thing to have that hook yeah, bass line yeah, anymore
1: I, know, I,
0: know. I don't know how that is old school because anytime somebody every time somebody brings a hook bass line Played on an old Roddy P bass, they, they still get mega yeah, hits. They still get mega, <laughs> yeah, right. Treasure Bruno Mars, come yeah, on, you yeah, know what I'm exactly, saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Does he get hookier yeah. than that? Really, you know? yeah, you're right.
1: Uh, we, I, we do miss, I do miss those uh, signature bass lines. That even if you don't hear the vocal, you still know what the song is because of the bass line. You yeah. know, and and <laughs>
0: people think, oh, if I'm writing a hook on bass, it has to be involved, but you know da-na-na-tch, da-na-na-tch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah boom yeah i think we got it oh, man yeah
1: man that was good yeah yeah
0: wow <laughs> Thanks so much, everybody, for hanging out with us on this episode of the Lowdown Society podcast. As always, I'm asking you guys to spread the word in any way you see fit to fellow bass players or musicians about this podcast. There's still not a lot of bass-related content podcast-wise out there, so I do believe there's a whole lot of people that would enjoy this if they got the chance. I have another episode in the can that needs some editing, and it actually features two guests at once, and they're both rock and roll-based players. Until then, stay funky, stay low, and I'll see you right back here on the Lowdown Society podcast.